So, hi, everyone. Welcome to Roll for Enterprise, a new podcast about enterprise IT and the crazy shenanigans that go on in this world. Uh, my name is Dominic Wellington, and I'm here with a couple of friends, Zach Zilakakis and Mike Yaniro. Uh, we're not going to introduce ourselves in this episode because you don't care yet, but I think there's some interesting stories that we might be wanting to tell in future episodes. But hey, Zach, Mike, thanks for joining us this morning at your end. Thanks for having us, guys. Thank you. And so one thing that's been in the news that everyone's been talking about, it isn't strictly enterprise IT, and I think that's what makes it interesting, is the whole saga of Zoom. Uh, so Zoom... Everyone is talking about it also outside the enterprise IT world because in lockdown, we're using Zoom for cocktails and homeschooling and karaoke and you name it, all sorts of unexpected use cases. And there have been some headaches in that for Zoom. But Mike, since you said you'd been doing your homework, do you want to go into some of the backstory here before we talk about the more recent news? Oh, some of the backstory. Yeah. So, I, you know, I did my research and... You know, I don't know if Zach knows this, but uh, Eric Wan, the, the CEO, he's an ex-Cisco WebEx engineer uh, who really broke away in 2011 with uh, with 40 WebEx engineers. So it's really kind of a spinoff of WebEx, which, yeah, if you ask me about WebEx, I think it's, uh, you know, losing out on if you take a look at Teams, Zoom and, and everything happening in this whole uh, work from home environment that we're going in. But really interesting that it's uh, almost feels like a, a Cisco spin-out, which... Uh, Cisco lost an opportunity on. I, I don't know if you knew that, Zach. Uh, so I was interested to hear your take on it. Yeah, I was aware that the founder, I wasn't aware 40 of them left. I was aware that he was a uh, former WebEx. And and I agree with you. You know, WebEx is one of those acquisitions that they they made many years ago. And um, if you think about the innovation, there really hasn't been much. There's been tweaks, but I don't know that there's been major, you know, major innovation there. So uh, interesting that 40 of them left to go to, go to Zoom. It does feel like a spin out without a doubt. Yeah. And, and I think their whole secret, I mean, the secret sauce, right, is, is that it's frictionless, right? Uh, I mean, it's really easy to join a, a Zoom meeting to set one up when you compare it to some of their competitors. I mean, it's just so easy. And that's and, and that's, I think, their their power. Right. But that is also what breeds um, some of the security issues they've been dealing with, I would assume. Right. Yeah. So that was a blog post I wrote as well. And the great thing about Zoom was always the time between sending someone a Zoom invite and them being in your meeting and you being able to start talking to them was always shorter than any of its competitors. There were no plugins to download, or th there was, but they made it super simple, arguably too simple, cut some corners there too. Uh, but it was all about making it super, super simple. And that's also what drove their adoption for end users because enterprises will put up with a lot of nonsense that an end user simply won't. Uh, and end users have a lot of other things they can use. They can use WhatsApp, a video call. They can use FaceTime. Uh, house parties uh, just come from nowhere uh, during this lockdown, and I can't get my kids off the thing. Uh, it's uh, a, a much more varied world out there. But I think that's the interesting thing, exactly. So Zoom was super optimized for one set of use cases and one set of customers for getting installed rapidly, getting you up and running in a webcast. And for that, it works and worked beautifully, and that drove its growth. But then it came into this consumer space, and consumers started using it, and it got attention from a whole other quarter. And it wasn't ready for that. They they hadn't built for that, and they didn't have a company culture to deal with that. And I think my favorite indicator of this, without getting into too much of the security back and forth, my favorite thing, they have an enterprise directory feature. 
And so this thing would assume that people that joined with the same email domain, uh, everyone that joins from company.com is a coworker and should be added to a company directory for company.com so they can all easily have Zoom meetings with each other. In the enterprise world, that's a beautiful thing. It saves you a whole bunch of time trying to, you know, locate your colleague or remember exactly what the email address was, copy it from somewhere else back into your you know, your chat client, et cetera, et cetera. But that all breaks down once you start allowing people to sign on with their personal email accounts. So I mean, the Zoom people knew enough to block off Google.com and Hotmail and Yahoo and, you know, the big email providers. Uh, but when people started signing up with random ISPs from the Netherlands and all getting marked as colleagues of every other customer of that ISP, uh, that's the sort of collision of good intentions and real world that uh, unfortunately made the news. And, and was it one of the security holes they had also the fact that they were, they were I guess, creeping on your, your directory and, and building some kind of content or some kind of database behind the scenes, right? So they know... They know a bit too much about you unintentionally. Well, exactly. It's the sort of thing that you might be perfectly happy sharing for work purposes. You might not be quite so happy sharing when it's your personal email account and your personal <laughs> internet activity. That's that's going to be a little bit different in, in complexion there. But I think there's a demarcation though, right? Between enterprise and personal use. Uh, this kind of feels like Facebook to me with privacy. So, you know, it's not really an enterprise. Uh, it's for personal use. and. It really does, though, if you think about it. So, you know, we have all these teenagers. Do they do they really care? I mean, the, these generation Zoomers, um, you think they're concerned about that because they're really driving this this popularity and growth? Yeah, on the other hand, I hear about... So my kids are too young for Instagram and whatnot, uh, but I do hear about teens who will do things like they will lock their Instagram account when they go to bed, uh, as in they delete it. But Instagram gives you a 24-hour timeout when you delete your account. So they use that to lock it. Nobody can interact with a deleted account, so nobody can tag them in anything while they're asleep. And then when they wake up, they, oh, no, I don't want to delete it after all and resume using it. Or another fascinating use case is they will share accounts. So a group of teens, like maybe up to 50, will share the same Instagram login and this, of course, drives their profiling algorithms behind Instagram completely wild. They have no idea what to make of this 50-headed Hydra. <laughs> and I think the younger generation is much more aware than we think. I, you know, we always think they don't care, but I think, I think there are some that are quite knowledgeable. I mean, look at the fact that some of them, they all have kind of locked accounts on Instagram. Some of them refuse to join Facebook. I mean, yeah, I don't think, um, to Zach, to your point, I, I don't think, I think they do care. I don't think it's that they don't care, right? And, and again, I, I think Zoom comes from this like, yeah, move fast and break things type of, of attitude from Facebook, right? Well, let's not forget they made an acquisition uh, this week, right? Keybase. So they have the end-to-end -end encryption that they're looking for now with Keybase. So, you know, they're aware of this as well. And they're I think they're making the moves. Yeah. What I thought was interesting about this whole saga was the comms. Uh, so Zoom has done some pretty good uh, PR work. Uh, pretty good apology from the CEO when the original uh, allegations of security breaches broke. Uh, that pledge to freeze development for three months while they were fixing these issues as it's been unearthed. But I think the key base uh, issue has been a bit of a stumble. Because if you go and look at the Zoom blog on the acquisition, it's like, oh, we acquired this company, security stuff, yada, yada, yada. Although even there, they say, everyone's saying it's to build the end-to-end -end encryption, but they already had 
sort of end-to-end -end encryption, and we can get into some of the details there too. Uh, but they certainly claims to have enterprise, uh, pardon me, end-to-end -end encryption. But the key-based blog is much more vague. They explicitly say, you know, we don't know what we're going to be doing uh, at Zoom. We assume they need some security people, but hey, I guess we'll find out. Um, and we've been distracted by this acquisition from developing our own products. So the first thing we're going to do is release a new version of that. And no word. Do you think they've so, been frank about all their all their security issues? I, I mean, I think the biggest move they made on the security side is getting Alex Stamos there, right? Who's formerly, oh, from, was, yeah, yeah. I mean, formerly from Yahoo. I mean, he he's the one who who left over uh, their their yeah terrible handling of uh, snooping on emails with the U.S. government. Who then yeah. went to Facebook, left there after the whole. Uh, um, Russian troll farm uh, incident, so so didn't get along with with Zuck. So just a guy dripping in credibility, and, and then to bring him onto Zoom. I mean, that was the the ultimate move. So, oh, absolutely. And I'm just going to toot my own horn when I wrote the blog post, and we'll put it in the show notes if I can figure out how to do that. Uh, I published it literally the morning before, just a few hours before the news broke about Alex Stamos joining Zoom, and my closing graph was. The thing that Zoom needs to do right now is hire some independent voice, someone who's known to be impartial, who will call a spade a spade, and bring them in to be the face of the recovery effort. Lo and behold, Alex Stamos, and there have been a few other uh, lower-level names as well, uh, and that's exactly what they need to do. So that's why I say this key-based thing has been a rare stumble in the comms from Zoom. They've been saying all the right things, and they have bought themselves the opportunity to show that they can do the right things. That's a longer uh, road, but... so. They they bought themselves some time at least. Well, if you think about where they are, I mean, how do we convert all these users to paid subscription? And this is going to be a part of that. So if you want this encryption, you're going to have to, you know, have a paid account. So I think, you know, I think this is an end goal for them to try to get some revenue here. You said it earlier, Mike, what was their valuation, Mike? Uh, 134 billion, I, I think last time I checked. I mean, that is, yeah, real. Yeah. Yeah. Sooner or later, you're talking about real money. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I think, you know, I, I guess from what I read, you know, they're, they, they're built for three, uh, three scenarios, right? Remote work, distance education, social relations. I mean, what better way than a pandemic to foster the kind of growth that they're, that they've had. Right. So, so the right place, right time and just skyrocket. Right. I, I think the question I always have is every time I get a I get an invite to like a, a meeting with a, with a company and it's a Zoom invite, I always ask myself, man, did they do their research? Why are they using Zoom? I I always have a doubt about uh, that company. I don't know if you guys experience the same, but I'm always yeah a, a bit taken aback, right? Yeah, I've been a Zoom user for the last five years, so long before it was cool and in the news. And like I said at the beginning, it's always satisfied from that. Uh, perspective of how quickly can we get online and sure that it would they were known to do some sketchy things not many uh, commercial products get to the point of annoying apple so much that apple will release an operating system patch to stop you doing what you're doing and that was zoom that they did some stuff in their installer that would leave uh, a hidden web server running on people's machines that was capable of reinstalling the plugin if it was uninstalled and they did this for convenience because their idea was, okay, maybe you uninstall the plugin, but next time you get a Zoom call, you don't want to have to go find the plugin and do it. You just pick up on the link and click through and the plugin will automatically install for you. But people quite rightly got uh, quite annoyed at hidden web servers and Apple took this unprecedented, to my knowledge, step of issuing an operating system patch specifically to prevent this behavior. 
So, you know, it's not like they haven't had their issues before because that was a good couple of years ago now. When was that? Oh, no, 11th of July 2019, as I click through, uh, was when the patch was released. Less than a year, yeah, less than a year ago. So it's, it's again, it's that move fast, break things culture, right? And I, I think Definitely. they're, they're going to be faced with some, I mean, to get to the valuation they have, to get to the user base they have, they're going to be faced with some real challenges to um, grow up, I would say, right? Change yeah. the culture. Well, yeah, I think Dominic touched on it earlier. I mean, they have to make some smart decisions now because they, they have what everyone else wants. They have this big user base. So you're right. But I think part of the problem is already, you know, already past, they're already past that, right? And how do we convert them? So Dominic, yeah, I think you had a good point earlier. So, you know, they need to find people that can help them convert these. You know, it's one thing to have an engineering team of 40 people come from Cisco and create this product. But it's another thing to, you know, how do we, you know, bring in some business people that can help us convert these and, and market this. And that's the other question. Yeah, those people have been pointing out, you know, they've had this massive user growth. And though their valuation is high, it hasn't grown proportionately. And there's been some question about how Zoom has been counting those users as well. Just there's a pattern emerging here a little bit. Um, but even, you know, assuming it's you know, apply whatever fudge factor you want, they've gained a lot of users. People are talking about Zoom would never talk about WebEx. Uh, but they need to monetize those free users. Uh, and what they do isn't isn't free or it isn't even cheap. They, they're paying a lot of network transfer costs, which was the other interesting thing when they went to Oracle mm -hmm. uh, for their cloud provider. And they were already in bed with AWS and Azure, and they have some of their own data centers. So everyone was like, huh, Oracle, weird. Did Oracle just buy themselves uh, a nice new logo or what's going on there? And then Corey Quinn, uh, Quinny Pig on Twitter, he published this uh, analysis of the costs, and it's purely about network transfer costs. It looks like they're doing some arbitrage there where Oracle is charging them like orders of magnitude less for data transfer than either AWS or Azure were. Uh, and so they're presumably, you know, modifying their architecture to take advantage of that in some way. Wow, that's, that's real interesting. So, yeah, but they're going to have to figure out, you know, all of this costs money, Oracle is costing them less money, fine, but they still have to come up with paying customers. Right now they have a few paying customers in proportion and a lot of freeloaders, and they need to figure out how to balance that uh, in a hurry. So no matter what you say about their 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 security issues or their, their current issues, I mean, they've had success, right? They, they have the user base. And I think when they started in, in, in 2011, no one really gave them a chance because the market was so saturated. Do you think do you think there's companies or, or some entrepreneurs sitting back looking at Zoom and saying, you know what, this is a market I can disrupt. I want to come in. I want to start. I, I want to start a Zoom and I, I, I bet I can I, I can grow faster and I can get there. I mean, do you think it, it, it leads way to more competitors? Oh, never say never. I have a whole folder on my iPhone, and it's not just the nine the nine apps and the first screen. It scrolls. Uh, there's more beyond that. So I, I use all of these. Go to meeting and blue jeans, and I haven't used Jitsi yet. So lots of people are talking about Jitsi. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but that seems to be very much a niche thing for now. Well, I think you have to think of what you said, like 2011. So blue jeans started 2009, uh, but they didn't quite have this popularity or this inflection point, unfortunately, of a pandemic. And they just sold for what five hundred million to, to Verizon. So it's what you do yeah. with this user base, and and I think that is what uh, Zoom has okay. to figure out. Yeah, Zoom has, but Zoom has an advantage right now that they have. You know, we, what does New York Times say? Generation Zoomers. I mean, they've got everything marketing behind them. Everything. Yeah. How, how do they convert them? You, you know, it's it's shocking to me that 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 someone spins out a company out of Cisco, and Cisco doesn't go after them 
you know, to keep that. Yeah, that's the usual Cisco playbook, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, I read in the 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 seed um, the, the seed round was the uh, was the founder of WebEx, including corporate counsel from Cisco. So no kidding, no one's going to go after them, right? I mean, you did that to any AI company like a Google or, or Tesla, and they're coming after you hard, right? But but Cisco let them be, and now at 134 billion, I mean, that's a hard pill to swallow, right there. Yeah, it's too late for anyone to buy them now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, it seems to happen often with Cisco. Uh, it's it's interesting, you know. There's uh, Cisco's got multiple companies, and that's probably another discussion for another episode. What are these big tech companies? You know, do they break up eventually? Because you know, if you go to Cisco, there's many different companies, many different um, you know uh, decision makers, if you will. Yeah, yeah Cisco's maybe. like a bunch of small companies flying yeah. in loose formation. Yeah. <laughs> and Zoom's power is that they're single focused, right? The, the the you know the frictionless part we spoke about. I mean, they are razor focused on just making it so easy for everybody to use, right? You have a big company, multiple pieces. You, you can't do that, right? So, but I guess they're going to come. They're going to come under pressure to grow and and to grow. I think eventually you got to start adding adding features and becoming more um, more rounded. I guess. You know what's interesting. You know what's interesting. It's almost like uh, shadow IT in a way. It's almost like sh shadow uh, web conferencing. You know, <clears throat> where I work, we have a web conferencing solution that is not Zoom, but everybody uses Zoom outside for social hour. We have a Zoom. Uh, if we have some one-off meetings, we use Zoom. I don't know if you guys experience the same thing, but Zoom seems to have this whole. Even within the enterprise, people gravitate towards Zoom outside their company standard for certain meetings. You but you know that? why? It's the user experience. So my son's school runs on Google Hangouts, uh, but then he uses Zoom for scouts and for sporting events. And is saying, to, oh, why can't everything be on Zoom? It's so much nicer. Uh, and even silly things. like He's on a Chromebook, right? You'd think Hangouts would have the premier experience on a Chromebook. So Google, they'd keep the best stuff for themselves. Nah, Zoom is way better. Uh, it, the Hangouts won't let him select uh, different devices for his uh, microphone and for his webcam. Uh, it's just the built-ins to the Chromebook. Even if you plug something else in, Hangouts like, nah, can't see it. And Zoom's like, yeah, sure, I see these webcams and these microphones. Off you go. Uh, it's just a nicer experience all around. And that's, that's what's driving it. People don't care about security that much. Going back to what we were saying before, you know, it's a factor. But first, they care about usability. Can I use the product? If I can use the product, then I start worrying about is it secure and whatever. And if you have a product that is usable and secure, then you've really got something, which is a big part of the attraction of the iOS ecosystem. I guess it's always been like, hey, if you make my life easier, I'll compromise on security and privacy. But you really got to make my life easy. And I think Zoom has the right um, kind of mix there, right? Or, or at least uh, until people knew everything that was happening. Yeah, now the challenge is to rebalance that. But, uh, and that's the thing that's uh, pivoting to the other topic I'd like to talk about. That's always a big challenge, uh, a big difference between selling in the B2B world and the B2C world. Uh, so stereotypically, right, tons of exceptions. But the thing about the B2B world is you're not selling to the end user of the tool. You're selling to someone who's going to sign a check, but the people who actually use the tool are people who are several levels probably down the org chart uh, from that person. So the way you sell is not on usability, it's on feature set. Uh, do I have this list of check boxes that's sufficient to get me over the hurdle and get the signature on the check? And before Zoom, 
that was uh, very much how all of the other tools worked. So they, suddenly, like the GoToMeeting, GoToWebinar pair that's uh, under the Citrix umbrella, they very much sell in that way. Nobody voluntarily uses those tools. Sorry if you work there. Um, <laughs> but that's kind of the default of the enterprise uh, way of working. Zoom is a little bit different because it was in this particular niche where the usability is actually a key part of the enterprise checklist. But even so, they were mainly selling in that way. And now they find themselves in a B2C world where the usability is top of the tree by a long way. And then other stuff comes quite a long way further down, if at all. And so that's uh, enabled them to do some interesting things, but it's uh, it's also their, their vulnerability, how they navigate that transition. But that's something that lots of companies have to deal with. Uh, so the shadow IT comment that you made earlier, Zach, I mean, the thing that really brought that into the news was back when Macs were rare in corporations and people would bring their own Macs. Uh, or as I heard it described, they would spend their own money. It was not so much BYOD as S-Y-O-N, spend your own money. I think probably what you're going to see here is once they become subscription-based is you see people start to pay for Zoom if they really like it, expense it on their corporate credit cards, and then and then a bit of a that Dropbox model where Dropbox goes out to companies and say, hey, you have a thousand people using Dropbox. You should sign a corporate deal. This is how much data you have. This is how much sharing there is. You don't have control over it. Maybe you should take control. And it really becomes almost a, a pressure sale from, from Dropbox. And maybe that's where where Zoom's going to go in the future, right? With, with, I mean, companies are going to have to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a model, but I think Dropbox would be a terrible outcome for Zoom, at least for me as a user, right? Uh, Dropbox uh, has just disappeared from the zeitgeist because they've added all of these limitations on personal use. Now it's only on two devices and uh, there are all these things. So a lot of the things that I used to use Dropbox for, I no longer do. And I'm on the cusp of just transitioning everything off Dropbox and shutting it off because now that I get less usability out of it, some of its security features, the way it tries to get its tentacles into literally everything on my Mac have started to rise up correspondingly uh, as a counterweight to the usability that I no longer get. Um, so I still see Dropbox a lot from corporates when they need to transfer me big graphics files, UX uh, simulations, that sort of thing. It's often a Dropbox link, but I don't see it uh, or hear it spoken about the way we talked about it, you know, five, six years ago. Uh, and so if that were Zoom's exit, I think it might be financially successful, but I think it would be a miss. I think they would leave money and relevance on the table if they ended up like Dropbox. This, this reminds me of AWS, Mike, you know, think about that, people dropping corporate credit cards, developers working in the AWS cloud, uh, you know, and that's what I think of when I think of that, right? You know, I'm not saying they will grow, obviously, AWS, but that's what I think of, right? When I think of some shadow IT, you know, developers, AWS, IoT initiatives, people dropping their corporate card, and then AWS coming back and saying, look, you know, hey, how about a, you know, like to your point, right, a corporate agreement. Yeah, 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 I think I think there is a, there is a possibility of that. I, I, I just, it's, um, I mean, look, the, the thing is also companies have their corporate um their corporate communication tools, right? So does does Zoom displace it? I mean, that's that, that, that's a big question because I think AWS filled a gap that wasn't there at the time, right? When they when they did yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So that's a bit a bit tougher of a of a pill to take, I think. Well they've have already disrupted one competitor at least. Uh Skype. Skype's nowhere. 
uh, in this pandemic, I've had one Skype call. Right? But, but I've I think every other service multiple times, uh, Zoom several times a day, even just on personal stuff, Skype's nowhere. And that's think, amazing when you think of where it was a few years ago. I think that's Microsoft though, just transitioning to Teams, right? I mean, we've, I mean, where I work, we've completely transitioned to Teams, right? Skype is is kind of shut down. So I, yeah, I but you that, can't use Teams yeah. on a personal level. I, so my yeah. comparison for Teams is more Slack. I'm in multiple Slacks. I've got my corporate Slack, and I've got a few personal Slacks. They're, they're all tabs in a window. I can command one, two, three, and go through my different Slacks that I'm in. Teams, as far as I can figure out, I have to completely quit the app and relaunch it from a different link to get into a different Teams uh, session, login, whatever it is. Uh, I can't have them both running at the same time. So if someone pings me on one and I'm logged into another, I don't see it until I quit and relaunch Teams. So I think Teams is doing well as the sort of new SharePoint. Uh, if they don't make some big changes, I don't think it's going to be the new Skype. That's interesting. It might be the new link, but not the new Skype. If you say right. yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's an interesting, an interesting take on it. Yeah, I think the multi-tenant, multi-user, um, yeah, a little clunky, and, and that's again coming to to Zoom, where it's just like, yeah, click here and let's go. You know, it's just, just the the ease of easiness of, of using it is uh, is there. Yeah, but Teams, to be fair though, Teams is integrated into Outlook, you know, your Office apps. There is a lot of enterprise functionality in Teams. I don't see them replacing Teams, but I do. I do think you're right, right? Easeability, usability for the uh, for you know consumers, but not the business. Yeah, exactly. But that's uh, that's exactly where I wanted to go for the last couple of minutes. So, I mean, Zach and I come from the the vendor analyst side of the business, but for you, Mike. Um, as a buyer of these tools, when someone comes to you with uh, with a tool, uh, so A, is my characterization of B2B buying still correct? Or how has that changed uh, in the last few years with Shadow IT and Bring Your Own X and all of these different trends? I, I think there still is a, a lot of like bring your own IT and people are just going to branch out and, and resist against any any corporate standard that a, a corporation might put out. I think you're you're always going to have that. Um, of course, you know, not that I'm impartial to teams, but I think, you know, Zoom is going to have the same issue that AWS has now. Right. A, a traditional Microsoft shop will always go the easy Microsoft way. And one thing that Microsoft has done easy is integrated everything together, right? So Zach brought up like how, yeah, Teams integrate into Outlook nicely and, and this and that. And I think, you know, us being the techies, we always assume that users are much uh, more sophisticated than they actually are. And I don't think that's the case. So I think, yeah, you know, the power that Zoom has to get these users to use their tool is one thing, but I think there's also something that Microsoft and other players have in that they're offering a complete suite that is easy to go in between rather than have, you know, five tools that you need to now focus on integrating. You could spend that money on, you know, integrating or you could spend that money on ease of use and i think if you look at the whole ecosystem i think microsoft has figured out ease of use now with with 0365 to be honest yeah it definitely looks a lot better than it used to and yeah the usability as well if you're in vs code and you can quickly spin up uh, some services in azure and run your app uh it's it is a, a very easy life but 
only as long as you stay within the world garden. Like I say, trying to use teams inside, outside, and that starts to be an issue. I, and, and, you know, I think one of the... It's but all, of the, all of these, sorry not to interrupt you, but there's not a ding on Microsoft. There's all of these ecosystems are the same. Try using Google with two different Google accounts. Lots of stuff will break in not always obvious ways. That's, that, that, that's true. And I, and I think people want to keep multiple identities, right? I, I think we're at a point in time where people want to have their personal identity and then their work identity. And I think those two, although companies would love them to come together, I think I still see people carrying, you know, two phones, two identities, EMME work stuff at work and personal stuff on personal. And I think that's where if you can join those two worlds, but keep them separate, then I think you have, you, you have power there. And I think whoever figures out how that works together will ultimately win in, in a lot of spaces, right? Yeah, for sure. And in so many ways as well, not just in the integrations, but uh, also one of the things I've noticed during uh, this lockdown and you know, with all the Zoom calls is you start getting a view into people's homes and into people's lives and you have pets joining the calls and you have people with babies and uh, people's kids come in to ask for help with homework. Uh, and so that's, uh, that's also part of it, right? Not to try to have such rigid walls and say, oh, you have to pretend that everything's fine and uh, you're completely focused, you know, just say, oh, no, I have to go deal with this. Otherwise, the dog's going to eat the child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Absolutely true. I think that's changed. So if we wrap it up here, I mean, wh where does Zoom go from here? I mean, what are wh what are your guys' predictions about the future of Zoom? I mean, doing good things, doing not right things. I mean, does it continue to grow? Do they have a bit of a fall? Where, where do they go from here? I'm not sure how much growth they have left, how much headroom they have. Uh, it does seem that everyone who's going to use it is more or less aware of it by this point. The trick for them is going to be turning this occasional sort of use into a more regular, repeated, and ideally for them paying use. That's going to be the, the interesting transition for me. But I certainly think they have all the right ingredients to still be around five years from now. Uh, that's It's going to be interesting watching how they put them together, though. That's going to be something to keep an eye on. I'm sure we'll return to that. Yeah, I think the, the premium market cap, we know one thing, that's going to limit them from acquisition. So they're going yeah. to have to survive on their own and go forward and make the right decisions. So, you know, now it goes from, you know, 40 guys leaving Cisco that have created this great solution to, okay, how do we market this? I go back to that, right? How is how are we going to become a, a real business now and compete in the marketplace? And so, you know, paid subscriptions, it's one thing to go from freemium to paid. And we talk about Dropbox and some of their challenges. So I think they have to they have to walk uh, tepidly and make some wise decisions, and hopefully the the board members are uh, you know are going to help guide them through this. But uh, it's it's a good place to be with the market cap, but it also introduces some some new challenges. Yeah, I mean, if I if I look at it, I think now's the time for them to to double down, right? I think um, you know the pandemic is is by far not over, and I think there's still a lot of opportunities for them. I think if you look at the classrooms, I, I don't think people are going back to school in the way they used to in September from a university side, from a, you know a high school and, and public education side. So they have some opportunities there. And then let's let, let let's face it, I mean this this work from home experiment that everybody's been running through, it ain't over. And it ain't over to the point where I, I don't know how soon we're going to be in packed conference rooms anymore. And, and I think they, they have an opportunity there, but they need to move fast. And yeah, I mean, 
maybe breaking some security rules is going to have to continue on, on their side in order to to get that that market share. So, I yeah, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would like to buy Zoom. I think, as you say, Zach, given the market cap, it's going to be more the other way around. It's going to be either integrations or Zoom buying other features, feature companies in order to round out their offering and build something more integrated. Say, okay, we've got the remote meeting going on in Zoom. What else should go on in the Zoom ecosystem? Should it be pair programming? We integrate an IDE into Zoom. Uh, do we get into calendaring? Every enterprise product gets into calendaring and email eventually. <laughs> What's it going to be? Well, and to your point, they just acquired Keybase. So I think, I think they're already starting down that road. Yeah. Okay, cool. That was a fun first conversation. So uh, I think we'll wrap it up here and get this out and we'll try to make this a weekly experience, give or take. And right now we don't have a public presence up there, but you can find us all over the internet. Uh, best place for me is probably Twitter at D Wellington, uh, creatively enough. How about you guys? For me, it'll be uh, yeah, at uh, Z Zelikakis on Twitter. And I'm at Mike Iannero on, on the Twitter. There you go. Thanks for listening, everyone. And talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you.